Good evening. It is good to be together to worship God tonight. If you're a guest, uh, again, we welcome you. Thank you for being here. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. If you'd like to be opening up to James, the third chapter, we'll look at the other half of that paragraph that we looked at this morning and see the wisdom tonight. We'll look at the wisdom that is from above. This morning, we looked at the wisdom that was earthly and sensual and demonic. We want to continue uh, to remember in our prayers and appreciation for the opportunity that we have those that are on a trip to Honduras. They left out uh, some on Saturday and maybe even some even this morning uh, will be joining that team. Uh, but John Michael is on that trip and Brett Dillard, I'm pretty sure is on that trip. And there's probably some other ones. And I'm sorry if I've known I've forgotten or I just haven't known, but we'll try to get that updated list and get in the bulletin. But we know uh, about those two and we know the work's going on. I received an email from, from Phil this afternoon just asking us all to pray uh, for the spiritual and the physical success of that trip. And so let's all be mindful of that. We are so thankful that Elsa and Christian are here with us for the summer. And uh, they're fine young people. They're serious about their faith in God. Uh, they are, are very uh, loving and kind individuals. And they are uh, a blessing. And our congregation will be blessed richly by them being here. And we're thankful that they're here. Also, uh, it's probably been expressed, but it just seems like each week I continually hear about it. So I just want to mention for all of you that participated in the letter writing where over 100 of you wrote, to our young people. Uh, again, just this past Thursday, several men were sitting around having lunch and one of them spoke up and said, my son will never forget that. And just talked about what it meant uh, that one of you wrote a letter and then came over and talked with them face to face. The week before that, someone else I was around made a similar comment about how powerful it was and the great job uh, that, that Philip did in, in creating that. Even before that, I, I just mentioned to the Wednesday night class that I was a teaching as this was being talked about and people were being recruited to write. And, and, I, and I just said to the class, I said, one of the, the strengths that Philip has that is so great is the ability to create moments to not only learn the word of God, but see it lived out in powerful ways. And, and it's interesting because I just said to the class, I said, odds are this is one of those moments. So you might want to be sure and write a letter so you can go over and experience it and then... Sure enough, uh, it continually is being talked about and, and it wouldn't work uh, without great leadership, but it also wouldn't work without great involvement. We appreciate our young people, but we appreciate all the adults that continually buy in by investing your life into the lives of young people. What a great investment we make any time we are investing in the lives of young people. Also, uh, I don't know exactly what to say about Miss Pat resigning except uh, retiring that I don't really like it uh, when when that letter was first being read in a meeting that I was that I was setting in I remember I, I just sitting there thinking this can't be I've never come into the office without Miss Pat there everything's safe everything is good everything's running strong as long as Miss Pat is there I'm sure we're going to do all right without her uh, but wow we owe her a lot of honor and a lot of thank yous uh, for the many, many years that she has been a part of the work 
here at Mount Juliet in that particular way. And of course, she's going to continue to be a part of the work of Mount Juliet in other ways. Uh, but what she does, she does in such dedicated and skilled fashion. And uh, we love and appreciate her. And we'll say a lot more about that later, I'm sure. Also, I just want to quickly mention, I heard that Brandon Adcock preached at Brushy, Tennessee. That's just the exit right before heaven, if you've never been there. And he preached at Brushy, Tennessee this morning. And, and I had nothing to do with setting that up. It's just his reputation has gone those 90 miles and he was asked to come and, and preach there. And I hear that he did a tremendous job, which is no surprise. I appreciate Brandon so much as you do also. And then also, I just want to remind you that that already uh, probably 3,500 to 4,000 was given this morning uh, for the Oklahoma relief. I want to encourage you to think about it this way. Uh, I know we have several ways, but they'll also be collecting next Sunday. If everybody here, if everybody in our church family just gives five dollars, everybody just gives five dollars. That alone's five thousand dollars, and so. I know that sometimes there are certain times of the year where you're like, wow, I've given a lot lately to a lot of different causes and I just don't think I can give anything. I just want to ask you, will you give $5? And think of the good that can be done if all of us, if all of us will do a little bit. And already several of you have done that and several of you have done very generously. But, but let's make sure that we all do our part uh, to make a difference in, in the lives of those there that, that have lost so much. And um, we remember back just a few years ago when people from that part of the country were sending us money uh, to help with the flood uh, relief and uh, what an encouragement it was as well as a great support it was of, of having their funds uh, to help do the work. All right, you keep fanning and I'll keep preaching and we'll see who can go the longest, okay? All right, James, James the third chapter. What I'd like to do is I'd like to just read, I'd like to read the text <clears throat> and, and, then, uh, and then with very little review, I may make a few comments along the way, but with very little review, we're gonna jump into verse 17 in a moment. Hopefully you were here this morning. It might make it, you know, make a little more sense of at least the background of the wisdom that is, that is from the earth. In James the third chapter and verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Now remember the answer is not gonna be just whoever can brag about it. It's let him show by good conduct, that's lifestyle. His works are done in the meekness of wisdom. There's an attitude of meekness. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, you see, that's false motives. That's poor motives that leads to earthly wisdom. Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly and sensual and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, this is always going to be the conclusion. Confusion and every evil thing are there. Wisdom that is from above is always going to lead to order and to peace. In just a moment, we're going to read this text. And I want you to notice how in just two verses, God uses either peace or a form of the word peace several times. And so notice this when we're reading 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now, 
The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now keep in mind, all of this began with the question in 13, who is wise and understanding among you? So who would it be where God would look down and say, there's a person who is wise and understanding among you. The first thing that God would say is it is a person that has received peace or has received wisdom from above. Remember the box? Where, where's it from? If you tell me where it's from, I can tell you probably what the contents are. Well, it's from God. Okay, if it's from God, what's going to be in that box? It's going to be the teaching that we ought to be pure. First is pure. Purity is the very idea of a spirituality that is full of integrity. I am not pure if I'm only partially pure. There's no such thing. Technically, there's no such thing as partially pure. In other words, we are pure. We're free from that which defiles or we're not. In other words, the idea of lukewarmness never is partially pure, partially not. And so when we think about integrity, we think about wholeness, we think about strength, we think about completeness. Spirituality in its wholeness is purity. When it is lived out, when it is exemplified, it carries with it a moral sincerity. Sincerity has to do with singleness. And so there's a morality that is single. We're not sometimes moral, depending on which company we're in, and other times, depending if we're with other company, we're immoral. Purity has to do with complete. It has to do with whole. It has to do with who God is. Uh, hold your finger right here. We don't have a slide for this, but back up just a couple of pages in your Bible, probably about five pages in your Bible. Go back to 1 John 3. 1 John 3. Notice what he says in verse 2, and then what we're doing is we're turning back to read verse 3, but I want you to see the setting in verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, in other words, when Jesus is coming back in the clouds, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. How is He? Have you ever thought, what, what is Jesus going to look like? Well, here's a description. And everyone who has this hope, that is seeing Jesus and being changed like him, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. If we're going to have wisdom from above, James says it's going to have to start with us saying, I want to be like Jesus. Well, how is Jesus? Jesus is pure. And when we purify ourselves... So that whatever day he's coming back, we don't know what day it is, this week, a year from now, 10 years, or a thousand years. We don't know. We don't know how long we have to live. But we do know this. At whatever time he comes back, I want to be found like him. He is pure. I want to be pure. Lord, we want to know the wisdom from above. Where does it start for us? He says, try to be like Jesus. What's Jesus like? Jesus is pure. Now, when you go back to your text, you notice they says first pure, then. In other words, he says, okay, now we have this in order. It's going to produce something. I want to remind you of the text this morning when we dropped back and we read Proverbs, the fourth chapter, verse 23. Remember that the issues of life, they spring from the heart. I believe that perhaps what James is doing here, because he's already done this in, in James, the third chapter. Remember, we covered this this morning, verse 14. Remember the bitter envy and the self-seeking is in your hearts. 
Okay, so where's the purity supposed to be? The purity ought to begin in the heart. And so he's saying, okay, let's talk about, he talked about the motive of the wisdom that was from the world. It was self-seeking and it was bitter envy and it was in the heart. And now he says, let's talk about the wisdom that is from above. And the wisdom that is from God is what? First, pure. Pure where? Pure in heart. Does that sound familiar? A beatitude? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall be called the sons of God, or for they shall see God. Now think about that. Are you going to see God? If you don't have a pure heart, you can't really see God. You can't see God for who He is. And so, so we've, we've got this pureness, this purity in heart. And from it, remember Proverbs 4 and 24, stems the issues of life. So if the motive is right, the heart is pure, what's going to come from that heart? And he lists about six or seven things here that he says, these are going to be the characteristics. These are going to be the fruits, if you will, that are produced from a heart that is seeking the wisdom of God because first it is pure. So let's, let's just examine each one of these briefly and let's, again, we're simply saying, I want to be wise. I want the wisdom of God. What does it look like? It begins with that pure heart. Now notice, then, we're back at verse 17. So once it's pure first, then peaceable. The idea of peace is beautiful. The idea of peace goes back to not the author of confusion. It goes back, if you want to read it in this passage, you see in verse 16 that we talked about this morning, that where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing come. The world offers a wisdom and is full of confusion. It will never be full of peace. I want you to just think about, and I know I'm talking about in a perfect world, but I just, I want you to talk about, I want you to think about for a moment that if everybody on earth Follow Jesus Christ. There would be no division religiously. There'd be peace. There, there would not be multiple religions. That would be beautiful versus confusion. That would be peaceful. That would be orderly. If everybody followed Jesus Christ, there'd be no fractured relationships. None. There wouldn't be any children that despise their parents. There wouldn't be any parents that despise their children. There'd be no spouses that, that dislike each other. There would be no workplaces where enemies work together because there would be no enemies. Listen, brethren. Lord is saying to us, we can't control what our parents do or what our children do. We can't even control what our spouse does or what our co-workers do. But you know what we can do? According to Romans 12 and 18, we can decide to live peaceably with all men wherein is possible. In other words, the Lord is saying, it's going to be those that seek the wisdom of God that builds peace. They create peace. And it's going to be people that pull from the wisdom of the world. They are the ones that destroy peace. You and I can either be on the side of peace or we can be on the side of disorder, on the side of confusion, 
on the side of pain. The second thing they says is gentleness. One scholar said that this word really is impossible to accurately define in one word in English because we don't have one word in English as it actually is in the Greek. But the idea of gentleness here is the idea of a sweetness. It's an idea of, of a controlled, if you will, but it has to do with attitude. It has to do with a kindness about us. If we are truly sanctified people, if we truly are redeemed people, what should be our attitude? What kind of gentleness should that look like? When we think about the wisdom from above and we think about some individuals that are harsh, we think about some individuals that are simply mean. We think about other individuals that, are, that, that they antagonize other people. That's not from the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is gentle. But now I'd like for you to notice the third one here. The third one is, he says, willing to yield. Now that's interesting. The wisdom from God is willing to yield. You ever met anybody that's bullheaded? You ever met anyone that's stubborn? It didn't matter what it was. They're not willing to listen to anyone else. They're always right. That's not wisdom from God. Wisdom from God brings humility. Wisdom from God brings us to the point that we would say, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to yield. If my will isn't right, if my will isn't best, I'm willing to yield. Listen, if I'm in a place of authority, if you're a parent, are you willing to yield? If you're an elder, if you're an employer, if you're a supervisor at work, are you willing to yield? Listen, it is a dangerous combination to have authority and stubbornness. That doesn't come from God. Authority comes from God, but authority needs to be mixed with a willingness to yield. Now, there's a second part of that willingness to yield that's very important, and that is willing to yield ourselves to the will of God. That's so important. It's the idea here in the original language of a soldier that's coming up to those that, that are higher rank than him. And, and the soldier is saying, I'm willing to yield. In other words, give me my orders and I will obey. Do we say that to God? Do we recognize we come up to Jesus Christ and we're saying, I'm a soldier of the cross. Lord, you tell me your will and my desire is your will be done in my life. That's wisdom of God. Wisdom of God says first is pure. And what, what springs out of that heart of purity is a willingness to yield. But you notice the fourth one there. He says mercy. Well, he didn't just say mercy, did he? You see there when you, you see it, he says full of mercy. Mercy is beautiful. There's two ways that this is used strongly in the scriptures. Probably some other ways, but there's two that it's used very strongly in the scriptures. Mercy is the idea that when someone mistreats you, how are you going to react to them? If we have wisdom from the world, it's going to be vengeance. I need to put them in their place or they're going to walk on me again. I need to make sure that I, I stand strong. And that's where oftentimes we start talking foolishly like, that's where I've got to protect and have my self-confidence. Now, our Lord said, turn the other cheek. When he's find agape, the very first two characteristics of agape in 1 Corinthians 13 and in verse 4, he says, love 
suffers long and is kind. That's mercy. You've mistreated someone and they, instead of striking vengeance back at you, they're going to suffer long and look for opportunities to be good to you in return, to be kind to you. Someone says, who would do that? People that are seeking the wisdom of God because they are not just merciful, they are full of mercy. It's the idea, you put one more drop in it, it's running over. In other words, they could not have more mercy in their life than what they presently have. They are full of mercy. But there's a second way mercy is used oftentimes in the scripture, and it's how we view those that are downtrodden. In this very same book, in James, the second chapter, midway through the chapter, you remember, he talks about what, is, what are Christians going to do when they see someone who is desperate for clothing and for food. And his plea is that if we really are people of faith, that our works ought to prove that we have faith. In other words, we ought to be merciful people. You remember the good Samaritan the good Samaritan did differently from the priest and the Levite because he had compassion upon him. But when the lawyer was questioned about this whole scenario at the end, and he says about which one of them was neighborly, he said, he that showed mercy. In other words, in the story that Jesus told, Jesus said that whenever you stop and you help someone who has been beaten and robbed and you take them in and you care for them, he says, you're being merciful. To not strike back at those that hurt us and to be compassionate towards those that are hurting. Those are things that if we are full of the wisdom from above that springs from a heart that is pure, we're going to be merciful. But notice that full of ties not only with mercy, but the fifth thing that he says is full of mercy and of good fruits. That's interesting. This life is going to produce fruit. You look, you look at an orange tree. What does it produce? Oranges. Apple tree. Apples. Someone who's living a life of the wisdom of God, what does it produce? They are full of good fruits. What would those fruits be? Well, it could be almost anything we read about in the New Covenant. It could be almost endless things that would be good fruits. But even from this, we see this. We know a part of the good fruits is they're going to be peacemakers. We saw that from the very first characteristic. The second thing is they're going to be gentle. A good fruit is going to be they're always kind and loving. But then also we see that, that the good fruits are going to be that they're willing to listen they're not stubborn. They'll yield their will. Another good fruit is going to be that they help others that are hurting. Merciful. They forgive those that have mistreated them. Merciful. You see, there's already several good fruits that are mentioned. I just want to remind you that the idea of fruit is that this life is producing something. And the idea of good is the same word that we studied earlier in this very same text this morning. And it's the idea of something that is beautiful, something that is orderly, something that carries great virtue in it. But now notice, if you will, the sixth thing that he says is he says, without partiality. Now in James 2, he also mentioned that. Remember in James 2, the partiality was showing favor towards someone who was wealthy and not being kind and generous to someone who was poor. Listen. I must realize that the wisdom that comes from God has no place 
not an ounce of partiality is acceptable. I love being American, but we know that we are not a perfect country and we certainly haven't been a perfect country. And in most occasions, I can say I'm proud to be an American, but we've done some things in America that I'm embarrassed. We've had some days in America that were as shameful as shame could be. It did not exemplify the wisdom of God. There will never be an earthly kingdom or nation that is everything it needs to be. And that's why you and I need to love the fact that we are invited into God's kingdom that is a wonderful kingdom. A kingdom where there is no partiality. Someone wants to say that, that men are worth more than women and Jesus would say, absolutely not. We're all one in Jesus Christ. The Jew is worth more than the Gentile? Absolutely not. We're all one in Jesus Christ. The master is worth more than the slave or the slave than the free man or the free man and the slave man? No, we're all one in Jesus Christ. And I know sometime our conditioning, sometime our culture, sometime the wisdom of the world has created conditionings that we must grow beyond. Listen. If we have an ounce of partiality, that didn't come from God. The wisdom of God is without partiality. If you treat a rich person better than you do a poor person, shame on you. If you treat someone better because their skin is one color than another color, shame on you. But more importantly, you're missing the wisdom that offers a life that is amazing and a life that is eternal. There's no partiality with the wisdom of God. But now notice this last one. He also says it is without hypocrisy. That's powerful. Because what he's doing is he's showing that the wisdom of God is so consistent. It's, it's not that we're going to be this way most of the time. Or it's not that we'll be this way in most circles of people. Or we'll be this way in most situations. But you know, every now and then there's that really difficult situation at the, the holiday party at work. Or you know, sometime on that business trip. Or, or sometime on Friday night. or some, And you just fill in the blank and God says, oh no, 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 no. God says, if you're going to pull a life that is from the wisdom of God, there's no hypocrisy. The beauty of that life, the beauty of that life is the order, the consistency that it brings to all occasions. Now remember what we're talking about here. Wisdom. Sometimes people will appear to be wise about 90% of the time. But the question is, what do we do when our back's against the wall? 
The question is, what do we say and what do we do when everybody else has become foolish? Are we willing to be wise without hypocrisy every time? Now look, I know and you know none of us are perfect. But what God is doing is He's showing us that He's giving us a perfect way. He's giving us a wisdom that is orderly. A wisdom that will create a beautiful life. And it's a high standard. And it's what we set our eyes to to say, that's the purity that I want in my heart that I want life to stem from. And so we close. Where he closes in verse 18, and it, it's really an interesting way to word this. If, if we, We're not going to take a lot of time to break it down, but you might want to do some breaking this down. It's real interesting. Look in 18. So, so he's talked about that pure, that surely is the pureness of heart that then brings about a life of pureness that has those characteristics we just talked about. And he says, now... The fruit of righteousness. And that fruit of righteousness would be all those things we just talked about. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown. That's strange. I don't know if it jumps off the page you as strange, but where I come from, we generally planted seeds. We didn't plant the fruit. But you see, he's getting our attention here. He's saying, okay, so, so you've lived this life and it's produced fruit. And now, what we do sometimes do is we brag about our harvest, don't we? Ah, a great crop this year. You should have seen all of that wheat. You should have seen the bushels of corn. You wouldn't believe how many bales of hay this year. Oh, we brag about our harvest. And you know what he says? It's almost as if he's saying, don't brag about your harvest. Harvest that fruit in peace and put it right back in the ground to do good so that God can receive the glory and there'll just be a greater harvest later of what you've just sown. Look at the rest of that. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. So we're not bragging. We're not comparing to others. We'll, let's let God have the glory. We sow it back in peace by those who make peace. Do you think peace is not important? When he says, let me tell you about this wisdom from above, and he only takes a couple of verses, and three times he uses the word peace or some form of it, and he closes by saying, it's those who make peace. We always stand on truth. We don't seek peace with someone to sacrifice truth. Truth trumps peace. But we need to recognize that to God, peace is of great importance. And we need to also recognize that it's made. It's made by people that sow the fruit of peace. If in relationships right now you don't feel like there's a lot of peace, maybe you need to evaluate and say, have I been sowing peace? Now keep in mind, we've already stated, Romans 12 and 18 teaches you just can't live a peaceful life with everybody. But if a common denominator in my life is... I go to work and there are people that are mean to me. And in my family, there are people who are mean to me. And there's people at church that are mean to me. And my neighbors are mean to me. You need to start recognizing what the common denominator in all those relationships is. It's you. And if that's the case, you need to say, you know what? I'm probably not sowing peace. I'm not harvesting peace because I'm not sowing it. I'm not a peacemaker. And then you say, where did that come from? I must not be pulling from the wisdom of God. I must be pulling more from the wisdom of the world.
Who among you is wise and is understanding? That's how this paragraph began. Who among you is wise and understanding? And he would answer it by saying, the one that has purity in heart, that goes around and the fruit of his life is peace. The fruit of his life is gentleness. The fruit of his life is he's not stubborn. He or she is willing to yield. They're not just merciful. They're full of mercy. Their life is full of good works. They are not hypocritical and they are not partial. Tonight, I wish we could come to the end of this month and I could feel like we just really did a bang up job with this topic of wisdom. I just feel like we've feebly dug at it from a beautiful word of God. I hope that this study has left all of us saying, I want to spend a life studying the wisdom of God. And I want to give my life to being wise from the wisdom that is from above. Because there's so much more that we should have studied. Tonight, if we can help you in any way in your walk with God, if you're ready to become a Christian and be baptized into Christ, if you're ready to be restored and repent, we'd love to pray with you and for you. If you're heavy laden and you've got burdens that you want to pray about, we'd love to pray with you. None of us are walking alone. None of us will get to heaven alone. But together, together, we can help each other along the way. And if we can help you tonight,